Perfect. All right, everyone, back again. Hello, Tim. Hi, mate. How good to be back. Hit 40k on TikTok, and we've got a treat this week, haven't we? Who have we got on the show, Tim? We have got England, Sussex, Southern Brave, and RCB fast bowler George Garton joining me, you, and the man Stuart Whittingham for a nice little chat. We hope you guys all enjoy. Dealt with cricket, we're back again. This week we've got George Garton, Sussex and England player. How does that feel? It's Yeah, it's a bit surreal, isn't it? Kind of a childhood dream to play for England. As you get a bit closer and closer, it becomes a bit more of a reality than a dream. But you're never, never quite sure it will happen, um, especially after kind of what happened in the summer with me, um, being mm. in the squad and then everyone being replaced because of COVID. It almost felt like maybe I wasn't supposed to play or whatever and I had to wait a bit longer so this time kind of on the day I was really excited a bit nervous but yeah kind of just happy for that moment to have happened you kind of dream about it for years and years and then you're suddenly there and kind of all become a reality. Maybe tell us a little bit about the dream then you know where, where did it all start for you as young girl? Yeah, I guess like growing up my dad played a little bit of cricket kind of when he was younger and so the main kind of sport around the house was cricket but like my dad and my mum made me try everything so growing up I played every sport really possible I did uh, athletics a little bit of ballet when I was young kind of did everything but always in the garden there was a cricket bat and a ball and to be honest with you up until I was 18 I wasn't very good (laughs) <laughs> like I remember being like a 16-year-old just before getting onto Sussex Academy. And like my dad turned to me, he was like, you're not very good. Like, if you actually want to play cricket professionally, you're going to have to get better. Like, yeah. And it was quite a good reality check, actually, because I never really thought yeah. that like, I'd already made it or I was already talented enough or whatever. And I, and I really wasn't because I was quite a late kind of developer with my body. I had to grow into kind of my body and my action. I was always kind of middle of the pack and it was actually a bit of a punt from Sussex to put me on the academy. So that kind of led me to play all sports growing up. Like I played rugby, hockey, football, cricket in the summer and I tried my hand at a bit of baseball as well. And then kind of when I got to 18, 19, cricket kind of took over. What was it that, that changed then? Was it, you say your body, was it the mentality change? Was it you changed? Um, yeah, it got a bit more serious. So I was, I was training, how many times did you train a week? two or three with the academy so you best thing is you miss a bit of school but you'd kind of miss some school going and train uh, you train a bit with the with the pros at the time and I mean at the time when I was 16 we we won still one of the best teams in the country so kind of watching those those guys train was a bit inspiring and you kind of you want to push yourself um, and quitting rugby when I was 16 to kind of put a bit more emphasis on cricket yeah that was kind of, yeah, the, kind of the stepping stones. Were there any of those characters that really stood out for you in terms of like, fuck me, have you seen how he trains and how he goes about his business and uh, level I can't, can't think too much from back mm. then. No one really stood out, but there was definitely like a, a different intensity to everyone training. Mm-hmm. One bloke I remember training really hard and he used to join in with our like fielding sessions. And it was good fun actually, because we had Carl Hopkinson run our like fielding sessions and Mike Yardy used to join in and he always used to make it like beat me and can the academy lads beat me at catching and throwing and whatever and I love fielding which again I'm a bit odd so like I used it used to be the highlight of my week if I could beat him 
So that'd be one bloke that kind of sticks out from when I was young. George, I don't know about you, but this is something that me and Phil have spoken about a few times. But when we were, when we were coming through the academy, same time as you, we looked up to the pros, and they for for us they were like like giants of the game, weren't they? Probably. Like as you talk about yeah. yards, Matt Pryor, Luke Wright, you know, I probably I'm missing yeah. a load of them, but like they were, Ed Joyce, Murray Goodwin. Exactly. And it, you know, when, you, when you're sort of growing up and that's what you're aspiring to be, how did you find it sort of walking into that changing room? Yes, it's surreal, really. I, I mean, I was really fortunate that because of kind of the links with Sussex from being young um, and my dad's links with the club, I was around the dressing room from like the age of six. So I had a different kind of relationship with some of the players like Wrighty and Natchi and a few of the older guys. So I wasn't scared of them. I was kind of quite almost oh you know when you're a kid and you're a bit naive and you think well, you know them. Are, are you were a bit cheeky you get a bit didn't you yeah like you just <laughs> like, like yeah I'd, I'd call them by their nicknames and whatnot so that I wasn't intimidated by them um so to be like in the dressing room with them was pretty cool um but as you said like a bit surreal you go from I watch Yards and Wrighty win the World Cup for England in 2010 and then suddenly you're playing a four-day game with them it's pretty nuts did that cheekiness get you into any bother with them? No, I'm I'm quite a boring antisocial bloke, so <laughs> I wasn't particular. I don't know what Jug's saying about me being cheeky. What I'm saying, Jake, <laughs> is that if someone says something to you, you weren't shy in having a reply. Oh, you know me. I'm not shy of a reply if I got an opinion. <laughs> um, I was I just thinking back to a few tasty net sessions. Oh yeah, uh, one springs to mind, and I just remember yeah. like you bowling out in the middle. And it was literally like a casualty line in the in the physio room. Well, yeah, that was that was kind of me and Josh's fault for playing a game of like naming the delivery to your mate at the top of the mark and then trying to execute it. And me and Josh being me and Josh, we both decided that the bouncer was the best ball to bowl. So we said who could bowl the best bouncer? And I remember he bowled the first one to Nashi, and it was crap. Honestly, it was. It was like chest high, like wide. It wasn't Cause, great. Because he was um, slow back then, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, real slow. No, he was, <laughs> he was still getting it through. Um, and I just remember, like, at the top of my mark, I ran past him. I was like, oh, I'll show you a proper bouncer. And it just it just came out perfectly. And it hit Nashley like, flash on the badge. Um, and he went down. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, I tried to hit him, but I didn't think I'd hit him. So he's like stumbled out the net and been helped out and Finchy walked down the other end and Joff goes, right, now it's my turn to hit Finchy. And I'm like, Joff, you can't, like, we've already taken one batter out the net. We can't have another one. But anyway, you know what Joff's like, steams in, next ball, like helmet off Finchy down for like four, four buys, four leg buys. And I was like, oh, God. And then Louis came up to us and he was like, lads, you can't just bowl bounces in the net. You two sound horrible. You sound absolutely horrible. Can't be a nice fast bowler. You got to be a nasty one. But that's what you want, isn't it? You want that competitiveness in the nest. You know, I, I remember a couple of occasions I had this exact same with Joff. We were bowling against Wrighty, and I've bowled him a short ball, and Wrighty's genuinely put me out of the ground. He's put me into the <laughs> car park, um, and Joff goes up to me and goes, "Don't worry, Stu, I've got you." Literally, Joff comes in, whoosh, like rapid bouncer. Wrighty just gets underneath there, and he was like, "He won't do that to you again." <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I think that's genuinely why kind of going back to why 
we've got such a good group of lads kind of pushing for higher honours is kind of the way we train. And I talk about it in interviews a lot with, with like journalists and stuff of growing up and having CJ, Joff, Millsy, Ollie, Rob, me, you, like there was always competition and like pushing each other to bowl better and challenge each other. Yeah. And I think it literally yeah. brings the best out of people rather than just rocking up to a net and bowling almost as like throw downs for a batter. Yeah. Actually like putting something on it yourself. Speaking of um, batting masterclasses and uh, debuts, George, do you remember much from your first championship game? My first champo game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ducky got oh, about three million runs or something. It was 200. And, he got 285, I think, in three days we fielded every single day of the game for the first innings um it was quite a tough welcome to county cricket to be honest on the pitch and off the pitch the hotel we were staying in i think it was day two or three so just to rub salt into the wound of fielding for 160 overs someone set the fire alarm off at about three in the morning and i just remember everyone huddled outside the hotel with blankets and duvets on going is this really what county cricket's like because i'm not sure not sure I'm cut out for it, like fielding 160 overs, being out in the cold for, at 3am. Slightly off a cricket topic, but it was pretty funny. I remember we were all outside, kind of in the car park. It's about 3am and it would have been a Friday. The taxi pulled up and a guy got out the car with a girl. He'd clearly been like out and he's just come back and the hotel's fully in the car park, <laughs> like fire alarm, fire engine. And you could just see him like, <laughs> like really? <laughs> It like absolute biggest cock block I've ever seen. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't one of the players or something. You know what I mean? Just yeah, true. No, that yeah, that would have been funny. But, but yeah, as introductions go to county cricket, it was it was a tough one. You got yeah, some heavyweight so. wickets that day, though, didn't you? They were heavyweight. Yeah. Um, um, I've got a list here, actually, George. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it says Levy, Rossington, yeah. and Kleinfeld. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't. I mean, in terms of heavy hitters, you've got you've got three big ones there, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're some big boys. I was glad to get them out so they didn't hit me miles, to be honest. But funnily enough, the smallest one of the lot was getting 280. So I think one sees there. I can't remember much, to be honest. I think they're all right. Yeah, not, not too much salad. <laughs> beige, very beige, I imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, they won two T20s in a row, two or three. So, I mean, something was working. They used to hit miles as well, didn't they? Yeah. It's a skill-based game, isn't it? It's not a fitness-based game. Exactly, especially batting. George, after after that, you had the season, and then was it the next season that you got the England call-up? And how did that come about? What happened? Well, I'd played a bit for the Lions, so I guess my name was around and about. I just remember there being loads of injuries and thinking, hang on, there's, there's not many like bowlers left. And then I think it was Jake Ball went down with an ankle injury in the previous game. I think he got hit on it or something. And my, I remember like reading about it. And as I was reading about it, my phone rang and it was the head selector. And he said, oh, George, we need you on a flight to Australia tonight, basically. Um, from the UK or were you with the Lions? Somewhere? Yeah, from the UK. So I, I was in the UK. Um, I was scheduled to fly out about a month later with the Lions um, for, for their tour of Oz. And I was just thinking like, I just picked my phone up. I was like, oh. Okay, cool. Like he's like, yeah, you need to leave. Like we're trying to get you on a flight tonight, and I was like, oh, well, I haven't packed anything. I don't know where my bags are. I've just been told of being picked as a reserve for the Ashes, which is as an England player, the biggest series of your life. 
like my ass fell out a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was trying to tell my dad. My dad was telling me one thing. Mum was telling me the other. I was just signing a new contract with Sussex, so I had to run in and do that. Oh yeah. Not- <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want you. He didn't want you uh, playing any Ashes games, did he? Before he'd have to no. offer something else. <laughs> yeah. Smart move. Um, and then yeah, like 14 hours later, I was on the plane and. First thing we did was paintball. So, I mean, 24 hours or flight, 24 hours to like 36 hours after the phone call, I was shooting paintballs at Joe Root and Alistair Cook. Did that sort of help break the ice a little bit? Because I can I think imagine so. walking into that changing room was, was pretty daunting for an 18, 19 year old lad. I definitely think so. I mean, especially like for me, my personality type isn't the type to burst into a dressing room, even now. And be the loud bloke and crack all the jokes. Um, so back then, I, I, I was pretty kind of scared, to be honest, of meeting all these blokes who had grown up watching and idolising. Um, so, yeah, to be chucked in straight into paintball where you got no choice other than mingle with the blokes and shoot them. And, like, it was a really, really good icebreaker, actually, because I think otherwise it would have taken me a good couple of days to go and talk to everyone and for them to get to know me and introduce each other. So... Yeah, I had a surreal kind of moment on the at the paintball with like the first round. I was next to Rooty and he's giving me advice on who to shoot and who to run at. And I'm like, show <laughs> it's amazing. Like, who, who are you meant to shoot at? Oh, it was the psychologist who was on the other team, um, <laughs> who ended up getting absolutely peppered. Like, it, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Like he got ganged up on by both teams in the end. Like it wasn't just our team shooting at and. The other team whose team he was on ended up shooting at him as well. Is anyone a wizard? I mean, I did pretty well. I just hid, right. like, I, like I just hid a bit, and I was more like a sniper. Um, <laughs> so I did all right. I just remember Rudy running at everyone. Like he didn't care about getting shot at all. He just ran at everybody. But yeah, it was it was, it was good fun, and it was in Oz, so there was no rules. There was no health and safety. We got there, and he goes, "Oh, that's the front of the gun. This is the back of the gun." <laughs> people and have fun that was it <laughs> did you so you know how close did you actually come to sort of playing in that you know in that that series would you say it's hard to tell because well I went as a reserve for a bloke who was going to come back fit so but I, I had good feedback from the coaches and the way kind of it was working it looked there was a very slim chance maybe in like in the Melbourne test where the wickets usually quite flat and they might have wanted a bit of like a point of difference. So I think potentially they were looking at me for that. So I joined up with the Lions after the pre, like the pre-tour bit. Um, and the Lions had a two-day friendly against Queensland, like 11, in a, in a two-day game. Like we're playing there. And then I, I remember kind of coming on the ball and I looked over and Trevor Bayliss was there, Andrew Strauss was there. And I was like, why are they here? And then someone told me that they were here to watch me bowl. And it did get to me. I bowled so badly. I mean, it's probably on some interview somewhere, but I think I bowled 11 overs for 80-something. I just got, like, I was concentrating too much about these, like, the England selectors and the head coach coming to watch me bowl. And I yeah. just, yeah, my ass fell out, to be honest. Who was it after you? Do you remember? Or was it a nobody sort of, it just... Oh, a few lads that were playing Big Bash at the time. No, no mm. big names. Um, but it was more like you. It was your... Yeah, it was my fault. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I just got far too caught up with it and nervous. And yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant learning curve for me. And I think it, I mean, no one's going to turn down playing a test match, but 
I was definitely too like immature and naive back mm. then. I think if I'd played that the same thing could have happened and then it's on a global scale and you never never potentially play again. So it was, I was really upset at the time, but actually kind of after after the initial kind of disappointment, I thought, well, if I'm getting nervous about the England coach who wants me to do well watching, then what am I going to be like if I played at the MCG with 50,000 people? Like, it's not going to end well. Did you speak to anyone about that? Did you just no, I just kind of processed it myself. I've never, never really been a bloke to talk to other players too much. I like to kind of process things myself and work things out that way. Do, do you, you know, a lot of people talk about sort of having that like bank of experience that they can sort of draw on. Do you feel like because you were so young in your career that you didn't really have that? So when the pressure was there with the selectors there, you couldn't really go, okay, I know that I've, I've, you know, I've been performing for this long. But now, I suppose, if you were to come into it, you go, right, I've been playing for, since I was 18, I'm now, what, 25? Yeah. 24, 25? 24, 25 soon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now you've got a bank that you can draw upon. I suppose it makes handling those situations a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's the performances, I think, for, for me more than anything, knowing that you've got a reason to be there. Like, mm. saying that you're there just because of potential or ability. It's not doesn't hold up very well. Whereas if you turn up saying, "Well, I've got three fifers and two hundreds, then it's like, well, fair enough. Only being there because someone thinks you're good enough, or someone thinks you've got potential to be good enough, is is quite hard to put forward to a, a group of players. That I mean, you've got Rooty and Alistair Cook who have scored over ten thousand runs each. You can't quite compare the two. Long term, it seems to have a, had a positive effect on you. Short term, do you think it? It was it was pretty difficult in terms of then you had to go from sort of being being a backup, uh, potentially a backup for the MCG test to then going back to first class cricket or whatever. Was that a difficult period? Um, I was fortunate that the like the Lions tour didn't end there. We had seven white ball games after that where I did quite well. Yeah. Um, so I didn't just go from quite a big disappointment to. Back to Sussex, I, I had another month and a half out in Oz, yeah. playing white ball cricket and doing quite well for my confidence to then get built up yeah. again. Um, but it, it's a weird one, kind of that. I remember the first couple of years of my career being that kind of promise and backing through potential, which England can do because of the the talent we had at Sussex. Sussex couldn't do that, and they're they're trying to win games. They're not giving people a go because they might be good enough. So it was it was harder to compute how, for example, I could play Lions, Red Bull cricket and White Bull cricket and then come back to Sussex and I'm not picked at all. I would play a game for Sussex, miss a game because of the Lions and then come back and I wasn't in the team. And I was almost like penalised for playing for the Lions. And I, I remember well, that. I remember you played... You played, the, you played Australia at uh, Worcester, wasn't it? Yeah, so I missed. Yeah. Uh, I played, yeah, South Africa. And I bowled, there's probably still one of the best I bowled with a red ball. So I did well. And then I came back and they said, oh, because you were you were away, we can't pick you for the next four-day game. I was like, well, I'm being penalised for playing three, like England Lions. How does that kind of work? Mm. And you're, you're surrounded by blokes in that environment who are the best in their counties. 
and they're going back and scoring hundreds and taking fifers, and then I'm going back and not playing. It it was hard to compute, but I mean, it makes you appreciate when you play and teaches you lessons off the pitch, which actually are quite valuable now. What what are those lessons, George? I think just to understand actually where you are, um, and not focusing on other people or mainly not focusing on selection. Um, it's not my job to select the best team. That's someone else is paid to do that. I'm paid to, if I'm picked, to do the best I can and try and win games of cricket. So from those experiences early on, I learned not to get fussed by selection. That sounds quite tricky to me. It took it took a while to get my head around and kind of really come to terms with, even if you think you're good, Someone else might not, and you might not play. Um, but at the end of the day, you, if you fight with everyone, you're going to end up worse anyway. So yeah. you kind of just have to accept it and focus on yourself. So, so go back to the nets, go back to your drills, go back to the twos, and prove it basically. Yeah, just keep just keep ticking away. I mean, all coaches are different too, and they don't they're not there for your whole career. So if one coach doesn't think you're good enough, keep working hard, keep improving, and the next one might think you're the best thing since sliced bread and you get the opportunities then. So, yeah, it's tough, but I think that's just something you've got to deal with as a cricketer and as a sportsman. Was it a change of coach that led to you playing more consistently? Was Is it, it more kind of a bit of both? Of, I was injured a lot at that time as well. I can't just say that it was down to, um, like, selection. I, I was injured a fair bit throughout the season, which made them picking me difficult. And I think it was a, a combination of, A, I got better, um, and B, some people retired. There were different spots up for grabs. Um, In what way did you get better? Just uh, like my batting came on, uh, my bowling was more consistent, just kind of things that you want to tick off. What were the big things that have made you more of a consistent bowler? It's an interesting one because I'm still working on it. But I spoke to uh, Kurtz a lot recently and we came up with a plan about two years ago. Is that James Kurtz? Because, James Kurtz? Yeah. Because I tore my side four times, I wanted to build up almost from the bottom and build up and become more consistent and then add pace on every time. So like in five years from, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, that I'd be up at top pace and then top accuracy as well. And I'd spoke to him about Pat Cummins really, because he burst on the scene, could bowl 95 mile an hour, but struggled and got injured. And then he came back onto the scene at 25, 26, bowled. 85 to 90 but usually around like 87 miles an hour but never missed and I thought well would he rather be 95 mile an hour getting injured and spraying it or bowling 87 and being the best bowler in the world by considerable margin and I thought well that sounds like the right plan to do for me maybe let's give it a go of toning it down and then building pace up when my accuracy is there so that's yeah what I've been trying to do I'm I'm halfway through um I still kind of have battles with myself because I just want to send down some rockets sometimes. But you are a fast bowler at heart, aren't you? You're, you're, you're yeah. Right. I, it annoys me kind of. Quick. Yeah, I just want to bowl fast, but there is that process where I have to trust it and kind of let things happen. But when you're not giving it 100 percent and you still are being a bit expensive, it, it is annoying. Do you, I mean, this is something that again I, I I often thought about was when things you know when you're up against the pump. You know, and the thing that I would always fall back on was like, I'm going to try and bowl quicker, that sort of thing. Is that something you have, is a real big sort of challenge to fight against where you're like, right, 
I can't just go back to that. I've got to be a bit smarter than that. Yeah, definitely. I think all fast bowlers, you kind of get whacked a bit, and your ego's like, nah, I'm going to run in and smoke, like hit them in the head or blow yeah. their poles out. Um, it's also like the higher standard you play, the more the batters don't care. Like yeah. they don't care how quick you are. They if it's if it's a bad ball, they're going to whack it. Mm. Like I, I had a good conversation with Johnny Bairstow about it. He was like, mate, when you're playing against the best players in the world, they don't care how fast you bowl. They will try and whack you. And I kind of noticed that a little bit in T20s where my pace has been down recently. But because my accuracy is better, I'm, my like, figures are so much better. And I was like, well, I clearly don't need to run in and try and bowl Thunderbolts because my figures are better now than they were before when I just tried to do that. There's definitely more to it than just trying to bowl fast. Just uh, going back five minutes or so, you were saying that you feel like you're going to bowl quicker potentially in a couple of years' time. Just as a fan, seeing you bowl in the 100 last year, that is a terrifying thought because I didn't fancy any of what you were doing last year, let alone five mile an hour quicker than that. But what was the 100 like? It looked phenomenally fun from the sideline and like party cricket central. What was it like to be? Oh, I bloody loved it. Honestly, like it was so good. It was kind of really overdue for England to have a, a franchise tournament that rivaled the Big Bash and tried to emulate the IPL and all the other big kind of tournaments that have packed out crowds and are done really well. And I, I don't think it mattered about the format. It could have been T20s. It, it turned out to be the 100. And I think quite a few of the rules in the 100 are really good and actually make the amount of like mates from school or mums from like mates or whatever that came up to me and said, oh, I started watching cricket for the first time in the 100. Like it was so simple to watch. It was so easy to understand that we needed 60 runs from 50 balls or whatever. Like... Because it was so plain and advertised so well, it, it was just brilliant. I mean, it was great fun to play in. You can't not have fun with full crowds, a DJ, like light shows, fire. Like, you can't not enjoy yourself. The standard of cricket was really strong and it will only get better with better overseas because of hopefully less COVID this year. And I mean, it helped that we won it. But yeah, I, honestly, I, I haven't spoken to someone, that a, a player that disliked it. So you did win it, day out of Lords. But as, I mean, we saw what happened on the field. Obviously, memories of that, you, you, you took a wicket, right, early on? Yeah, second ball. Tim David having a, having a field day, seemingly, to yeah. it out, out of nowhere. Um, and then good grab on the boundary. Any memories of that? Yeah, I, I remember I had a really sore hand, actually. It's just about got better, actually, on my left hand, like um, small, my pinky finger. Like on the knuckle, I, I damaged it pretty badly early on in the in the season, practicing some one-handed catches or just being an idiot. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I hope I don't have to catch it in my left hand because it's going to really hurt. Like, I was thinking about, I just hope I don't drop it if I had a catch. And then, yeah, I was fielding, I think it was Miles Hammond pulled one and it just hit it flush. Like, it couldn't have hit that part of my hand any worse. And I remember catching it and trying to, pretend like I was, I, it looked like I celebrated and I was just screaming in pain. Like, and I remember hugging like the player next to me and just being like, oh shit, like, fuck it hurts. Like, it was so painful. And he was like, yeah, we got wicked. Like everyone's celebrating and I'm there like holding my hand. Like, oh, I think my hand's broken. So even with a damaged hand, how do you celebrate winning the 100? In my mind, in the laws change room, it's just full of pom bears. 
Pombez everywhere. I would have. Uh, that would have been the best. Like you know, like a ball pit just full of Pombez. That would have been. <laughs> that would have been the dream. But no, we had. It was quite cool. They they left the bar open for ages. There was loads of beers. Um, lots of the family kind of support was there, so they all came down. And amidst kind of all the COVID regulations, we managed to have a bit of like a, a sing song and a party, being respectful of laws, obviously. Which just worked drinks, George. Just, just <laughs> exactly. <work drinks. laughs> well, they, they're quite strict there on being polite and respectful to obviously the home of cricket. So not doing anything daft on the square or anything. No, well, I saw what you would say. If you can't be safe, be sensible. So <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's do you think it's better like that in COVID times, celebrating wins that now lads haven't really got the choice to go elsewhere, everyone sort of stays together or um, <laughs> keeps people out of trouble? It's actually it's not the worst point. I mean, because you're stuck kind of in the team room, there's the one time where actually you spend more time with the lads and it's quite a lot of fun. However, having spent two years in COVID bubbles and whatnot, they need to end. Like they're they're not fun at all. Mm. Um so that it you've got 0.5% of the time they're a lot of fun as long as you win the competition but apart from that I think the lads need a bit of bit of time kind of away from bubbles just got to keep winning them then aren't you exactly yeah no pressure <laughs> George you went from there to getting the call up for the Royal Challengers Bangalore in the IPL after the season's finished and how, how did that come about it's a good question I just remember it's about halfway through the tournament I had a message from I think it was from my agent or I, actually I think I got messaged directly from RCB and I just remember looking at my message I was like there's one of the lads taking the piss or whatever I was like that's, that's not real <laughs> and then it said oh please give me a ring so I, I was like oh, I'm gonna ring the number and it's gonna be some bloke making a stupid noise down the phone or be whatever it is <laughs> exactly I, I wouldn't put it past him and so I ring it and he answers he goes hi this is Mike Kesson I was like Nah, come on, who is it? Nah, I was like, oh, hi, Mike. I like, played long. He's like, oh, hi, George. Yeah, it's Mike Hesson from the RC, uh, RCB. He was director of cricket at the time. And he's obviously head coach of New Zealand for, I think it was eight eight years or whatever. So I, I knew the name. And he sounded Kiwi, so I knew it wasn't the lad saying the piss. I was like, hang on, this is actually like Mike Hesson. And he said, oh, we're really interested in signing you as a replacement for, for the IPL. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, that's pretty cool and it's funny all, all the kind of coaches that ask you they say oh, how would you like to to be a replacement in the icon you're like well it's a dumb question isn't it really because that'd be bloody awesome like, <laughs> you're not going to get the corner like that ah, nah sorry mate yeah i don't quite fancy it today <laughs> yeah no nah, it's not it doesn't really sound like fun because i'd had a obviously mahala was our coach um for the for the brave and he mentioned going out as a net bowler and I thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to, but I'm not sure I could get that past Sussex. And I want to play like the back end of the season. So I can't really put that past them. And then obviously Hess phoned and he was like, I thought it'd be like a net bowler thing. And he goes, no, we, we want you to, to play. And I was like, oh, shit, like, absolutely, like get it done. And Sussex were brilliant. I remember phoning Sauls and Kurtz and they were like, yeah, don't be silly. Go now. Like, yeah. whatever you need to do. But it was a tricky one because obviously we qualified for the quarterfinals for Sussex of the, of the Blast. For a, for a period of time, I had the kind of conundrum that if Sussex won the quarterfinals, I couldn't go to the IPL. But if we lost, I could go. And I was like, that's like a horrible position to be in. 
Yeah. Because on one hand, I really like it can make or break your career, kind of the IPL. Like it, it could really kick off something cool. But I don't want Sussex to lose the quarterfinal. But thankfully, kind of like a day or two before the game, I had a message from RCB saying it didn't matter because of the timings or whatever. They were happy for me to miss a game because of quarantine times. So it <laughs> so, made that kind of experience a lot easier. So you went from thinking, fuck, I'm going to have to bowl four overs for 60 here <laughs> to actually thinking I'm going to have to turn up for Sussex. <laughs> um, no, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously getting out there, RCB, the name RCB is synonymous with the big man Virat Kohli and obviously AB de Villiers as well. You know, obviously you've met some big time players in your time, but I don't, they don't get much bigger than those two. You know, what, what was it like bumping into them? Pretty like kind of, kind of weird. Um, I remember I just wanted to get like the first meeting out of the way. And so for Virat, we had training the first day after I was out of isolation. And it was a real awkward one because I was in isolation for six days. And the way the hotel was, all the balconies like looked at each other, like the hotel was in a U shape. And so I'm there and I'm trying to basically like kind of avoid people on the balconies because I don't want to do that awkward like first time you see him, you're like waving on the balcony. Vera! Like, you're shouting, Vera, Vera, it's me, George. Yeah, I'm your teammate. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of like trying to, I was, I was basically trying to hide for like six days in my room, kind of. Well, you know what I'm like. I'm not great with social interactions anyway, let alone meeting two of the biggest names in cricket history. And so I got and so I got to training and Virat was there. And so I just went up and said hello. And kind of the only thing I could think we had in common was having the same people make our bats. So I'm like, oh, how many bats you had? I'm surprised he didn't shut you down there, George, and just went, nah, lots, mate. I'm the best batter in the world. <laughs> <laughs> of course I've got a lot of bats. Yeah, well, what <laughs> Never made me <laughs> borrow one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, and then AB, funnily enough, I ended up meeting his kids and like playing cricket indoors with them, like in the hotel before him. So that was kind of a weird one. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. You've already played cricket with my kids. Um, but that kind of broke the ice quite well because we were just playing mm. like one hand, one bounce or something. Yeah. Um, Are they any good, his kids? Uh, yeah, they're they're bloody good. One was four and one was six, and they were whacking it everywhere. Were you coming <laughs> up the long generation? <laughs> well, to be fair, I was actually bowling like we were just chucking underarm tennis balls, but they kept asking the bowl like faster and faster, and it was actually quite impressive. Like they were catching one-handed, like doing everything. Yeah, well, we were on the second floor, and like they were whacking it off the like into the middle of the hotel where they were like just random guests and stuff and being like, can you throw a ball back? Like, <laughs> like, not a care in the world. They just wanted to play cricket. And like every morning at 10.30 on the dot, like they'd come past my room because they lived, they were staying like couple, like couple numbers down and like 10.30 on the dot every morning after that and just come in like, come and play with us. Like, every morning, come and play with us. And I was like, no, I need to go have breakfast. They're like, no, you're going to play with us first. And like, <laughs> I ended up a couple of times like taking them to breakfast myself. I was like, kind of like, like daycare. <laughs> and they'd go and ask Dan and I'd be like, AB, they want to have breakfast with me. Like, cause I want, cause they want to play. And he was like, oh, as long as they behave, they can go with you. 
So I'm just like sat there by myself with all these kids having breakfast. Obviously, you're talking about Cody. Something you said to me is that you know you actually asked him a lot about the mentality, you know, of of his game and, and. Yeah, I just I asked him. Obviously, he's quite fiery um, on the pitch, and he displays a lot of emotions, and he he kind of wears his heart in his sleeve. And I'm pretty similar to that once I cross the cross the line. But I've found it can like negatively affect affect me. And you can get like over emotional and over aggressive and that's actually detrimental. So I just asked him how he channeled that emotion to bring the best out of him. And he said, kind of like, you have to learn and you have to cross that line more than once to, to learn where the boundary is. But ultimately, like he says, he remembers one of his first tours to Australia. And I didn't know this. I must've been a bit young, but he actually turned around and just did that to the crowd in Australia, like stuck his middle finger up at them and at first as I asked pretty cool but also you can't do that like as a cricketer yeah and he was like that was a moment for him where he kind of realized right I need to control it and channel it better and he said he uses it more like if he's playing really well he doesn't really tap into that side but if he feels like he's quite like a bit out of touch or not quite in it he says he almost kind of like picks a fight and makes it a little bit personal to really try and get the best out of himself. And so he's going to beat that player and he's not going to let himself fail while they're succeeding, which is why I think you see quite a few like really good battles when he's batting with with bowlers is because he just wants to dominate them. But I've, I've not been on a pitch with a bloke who is that passionate about winning mm-hmm. and that driven to almost like completely selfless to it's not nothing to do with him or he couldn't care less about his results if the team won. Like, if it's putting the team first, he would do anything. It also helps that he's one of the top three batters in the world. So he wins a lot of games for the team. But as, like, a captain as, and as a bloke, just one of the one of the best blokes I've met. You let him know early in the nets, you get, get a couple. <laughs> I didn't actually bowl at him in the nets. He, he, he came early for, for all the training sessions and a hit with the batting coach. With the IPL and, and RCB... Every resource, every facility you can think of is there. And they have three or four blokes that just sidearm and that's their job. And so they're obviously bloody good at it, but too good. Like, and they, and, they, and they take it so personally as well. So like they're trying to show off to the coaches so they get a job for next year. So like you're going down there almost for like a confidence hit. And you just want some balls lobbed in, in the slot, whack a couple and then, then walk out. Swing away, swing, leg cutters, bouncers, yorkers, like all at like 85, 90 mile an hour. And you're like, like whose net session is this? Is it mine or yours? Like George, I've, I've seen the guys. I've seen them with their like own personal gloves, don't they? They have their oh, own. Everything. I've seen one their guy own, with their his own elbows, elbow strapped yeah. up. Like probably wearing like an arm support, everything. <laughs> he that was his, that's him, isn't it? That's his job. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna be the best side armor I can be. Yeah. And they yeah. Like, they really want to show off. So they like they take it really personally if you hit them. So the, the worst thing you can do is hit them over the head for six because you just get like rapid bounces, Yorkers, everything. But in that the point for you? <laughs> Gone to well, there's a point, there's a point to all training, but you, you need a little bit, like the day before a game, you want some confidence. You want to be able to hit a couple of sixes and yeah. not try and get your head blown off or your feet blown off. 
<laughs> and the blokes try like turning around, like telling the coach how well he's bowling and his job's to facilitate <laughs> what you need. He's like, I'm two for 10 off four. <laughs> yeah, literally, like they'll tell you how many times they got you out. You're like, I didn't face bowlers for this reason. Like if you go in the bowler's net, you're going to have a like have a fight or a battle. Whereas the sidearm net's like the nice option. And it's definitely not the nice option. Like Virat and AB and quite a few of the other like big names like Maxi and they would turn up early for training before the sidearms got there to have their hit because they were like, I just can't, I need a bit of like my own time. Do you reckon they auction them off like the players? (laughs) Not quite. No, but like to be fair, some of them get picked, like some of the net bowlers, because it's the same with the net bowlers, like they pour their absolute hearts out, like trying to impress and do well. But like we had a lad in the team this year who was a net bowler a couple of years ago. Mm. So like they see that reality that if they do really well and impress enough that they could get picked and that changes their life forever. So like everything's at 100%. Yeah. Does that does that change your sort of mindset to training? Whereas, like, you you basically, I know a lot of people do this, but like they have their own personal practice where they do it's like the feel good practice. But whenever you're facing bowlers, it's match scenario and it's intense, you know. And that that's that is there. Whereas, like, when you're just on your own facing throwdowns, that's your time to sort of groove. Yeah, that that was definitely kind of watching Virat and AB. Um, especially kind of trying to have a learning how they prep for a game. Um, And there is more bat v ball kind of than you'd think um, Mm. because they want to practice those scenarios where it's me versus you. Um, And you, as you said, you don't really get that in the like in the like confidence net or the net where you practice on small little technique stuff and they want to practice slow balls out of a bowler's hand, not just, blokes throwing with a sidearm and feeling good because they whacked a few sixes. Um, so that that was definitely a take home for me. Yeah. Something, I don't know whether you can shed any light on this, George, but something that uh, me, Tim and Manners are all interested in is, what is a craw? I think, I'm pretty sure a craw is a thousand rupees. Which is? The Indian currency. Uh, yeah, I know that. But what... <laughs> <laughs> what about a lakh? You know what? A lakh. So one lakh is one thousand pounds. Oh, and then a hundred lakh is a crore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got it. Based on your current fitness and um, and everything, how many lakh and crore do you reckon you'd go for this year? I'd have to pay to get out there. I'd have to pay my own way. Do you know what though? I'd be great at team guy, changing room attendant. I mean, George, if you ever become like a big staple at a, a franchise. You know, I'd be more than happy. I'll get you. Yeah, no, I appreciate I'll get you more as well, is I'd set up the bowling in the nets and I'd leave one of those javelins next to the net again or a big bag of balls. You're going to have to tell us about this javelin. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that, yeah. <laughs> so we were in the indoor school kind of, must have been like February, so it's like the height of just crap English weather when no one wants to be there like it, it's just like an absolute hellhole of time for English cricket and it's just miserable and me and Stu were working hard kind of practicing our bowling and I'm the same as Stu so like, we both had a tendency to get pretty angry if we if we got it wrong <laughs> um, but Stu more so than me physically like he would physically 
show his frustration, I'd, I'd mentally just kind of blow up. And so our bowling coach, John Lewis at the time, who's now England bowling coach, he came up with a couple of ideas for Stu to let out his anger. One of those being a big bag of like Incredibles and he would just whack them like with something. Yeah. And then that didn't quite work. And Stu was doing some bowl throughs with through some like um, cones with sticks in them, like the javelin sticks. Yeah. And I was, he bowled a bad ball and he just turned around and picked this javelin up. And I don't think he realised that it was designed for grass. So there's like a metal spike like that. And he just launched this thing like the length of the hall. And like I turned to, to the bowling coach and we're both like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had literally a, I like had steam it. coming out of his ears. I was like, holy shit. Did John Lewis have any mind games or special tricks for you, George? Not really. I was in the same category with Jug, so I just kind of watched him and laughed a little bit and was like, oh, thank God it's not me. Like, it could have been, like, I'd leave it a couple of balls, it would have been me. But, um, <laughs> but he, I, I know that he would deal with all the bowlers in a different, in certain ways. So, Tomorrow Mills, he would be, he'd be like, he'd sort of big him up. He'd be like, you're the big man, you know, you're the, you're the top dog, that sort of thing. Joffrey would literally just be like, you do whatever you want to do because you can do it basically. And then you, with you, George, I, I don't know if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he would, he would go at you a little bit, wouldn't he? He would like, he would get stuck into yeah, we it. Had some, yeah, we had some good, good like little ding-dongs. And it, like he kind of understood it. And, and he was right that like, for me, having a fight with someone else was how to get the best out of me. Mm. And it was that kind of thing of rather than beating myself up and fighting with myself and actually to fight someone else and be like, no, screw you, I'm gonna be I'm gonna prove you wrong. Yeah. That was that's what got the best out of me. Because he, he was a master at that, wasn't he? Because I remember yeah. I remember playing a, a second team game, one of my first games with him, and he bowled like he must have bowled like 20 on the reel. And this was at the end, so he's like 40, he must have been about 40 probably, but he was still playing. <laughs> And he bowled like 20 on the reel. And he was just like, it was it was boring cricket. It was one of those second team games that's just dragging. And um, literally, all of a sudden, I've just seen him spray this like 17, 16, 17 year old lad. This is, the, John Lewis has taken 860 first class wickets, is spraying this 16 year old lad in a second team game. And I was like, what is going on here? This is, this is mental. And I think it was like, and like I left it, and I didn't like, I didn't think about it. But then, like, I thought about it later, and I, when we were sort of had a bit, when I was a bit more, had a bit more relationship with him, I said to him, I was like, "What was all that about?" You know, when we I was playing that second team game, what, what were you doing there? And he was like, "Look, those sort of games were the toughest for me because there was nothing on them." He was like, "So I knew that to get the best out of my performance, I'm going to pick a battle with someone." And he was like, "Even if it was a, a young sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old second-level lad," he was like. I had to do it to, to like maintain my sort of professional standards or, something, or I'd let them slip. So are you, are you a bit like that, George? Are there any, any instances where you, you've had a bit of a ding-dong with someone and you've maybe... Had yeah, I've had, a, I've had a few. Um, Can you shed any? any more, more like a... Yeah, I'll share with you a good one because, I mean, why would I share with you a bad one? But it was my <laughs> second ever... It was my second ever first-class game. So I was, I was new and I was actually a bit disappointed with the lack of 
sledging I was getting. Like I expected to walk out, especially when I was batting, to walk out as a 19-year-old kid and just cop a volley of abuse. And I was looking forward to it because that's kind of like, I'm odd like that. And I got none. And I was like, oh, this is a bit boring, really. So we were playing Leicester at Hove and they were whacking us everywhere. And I mean, you always, like, back then we had a really good side, very strong. We wanted to be top of, we were a bit annoyed to be in Division 2, trying to get back into Division 1. And to be on the back foot behind the eight ball against Leicester was, like, pretty bad for us. We were, we did we didn't feel in a great place. And so the mood was down. People were going at each other. And I remember bowling, Cosgrove was on 80-something. And he's quite a mouthy bloke. I mean, he had his teeth done, but like absolutely bright white. So like any time he smiled, it just it just got like rubbed me up the wrong way. Mm. Their partnership was like 170-something. And I bowled a ball and he hit me down the ground. And we had Steve McGoffin at mid-on. And Mags was coming to the end of his career and didn't move brilliantly. Like, kind of like a, it was a bit like a traffic cone. where, Like, if it hit him, he's going to stop it. But otherwise, might as well just let it go through. And Cozzy's hit this ball like five yards from Mags. And Mags has just ran round it and let the ball go. And they ran two. Cozzy ran past me. And I just stood still on the wicket and didn't do anything wrong. And he like shouldered me a little bit and he was like, fucking move out of the way. And I said, I don't have to move. Like, I think he was expecting me to just leave it or whatever. And I just stood there, I was like, I don't have to move. It's not my fault, you're fat. Like, <laughs> run around me. Like, I don't care. I had a couple of family members sat on the side and they just, they remember me standing in the middle of the wicket as a 19-year-old kid. And they thought I was talking to the keeper. Because I was like stood in the middle and I was pointing and I can't remember exactly what I said, but <laughs> there, was a, there was a few verbals in there. And I'm like pointing at him and they thought I was talking to the keeper. I was spraying Cosgrove. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to blow your fucking head off. And I was the top of my mark. I don't know why, but I thought, why not not bowl a bouncer? Like, why try Let's try something different. And I ran up and it, it's a bit luck and a bit skill, but I bowled this reverse swing in Yorker. And two of, two of the three of it Okay, okay. Well, as I said, it was a bit of luck, to be honest, but a little bit, like a little bit of skill. I've had the idea anyway. And all three stumps literally just cleared out of the ground. I remember watching it. Did you Did you give him a bit as he went off, or did you? Yeah, I gave, him a, I gave him a massive send-off. I was, it was too big for my boots, but I gave him a huge... Down on one knee, just giving it massive ones. Yeah, like massive ones. And I was like, Carl was a bitch, fuck off. Like, go big one. <laughs> and the, we had, luckily, we had Ian Gould, who's like a kind of Sussex legend umpiring. And he called me over and he said, George, can I have a word, please? I was like, oh, no, I've done something wrong. Like, he was like, I'm just going to let you know you can't do that on a cricket pitch. Like, you can't be that aggressive and vocal, like, because of the fans and everything. He's like, but I bloody loved it, so I'm going to let you off. And I was like, oh, <laughs> What a legend. <laughs> One quick example, I sledged harder still Joan and he took 15 wickets in the game. I kind of like nine and he was already on seven wickets or something. So he's clearly having the, like this game of his life. And he was bowling rockets. And I I don't know why, but this kid at the other end was chirping me. So I chirped back and he got involved. And I was like, oh, oh piss off. You're not even bowling. And I, he told the captain he bowled next to him and got me out. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what an idiot. That was remarkable, that game. Hardest field, oh. taking 15 wickets. I remember going in, and I've, obviously I can't bat to save my life. And um, 
I was just thinking, don't bowl a bumper, don't bowl a bumper. And there's that, there's like a great picture of me with my hobs just getting cleaned out from a Yorker. I'm just in 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 like this horrendous position. <laughs> but I was just right. You tell you he's just going to bowl you a Yorker. He did. He did. No. Yeah. <laughs> Because right, he was batting, wasn't he? He was still, he was the only one that was like sort of putting up any fight. Yeah. Nah. And then, yeah, I think he just said, watch your polls. But I was too concerned about watching my head. But I wasn't, I wasn't too fussed. I, I wasn't, I didn't You got five that. for that game, didn't you, Joe? May have done, may have done, yeah. Oh, so that's why you brought this one up, is it, yeah? George brought yeah, it up. Yeah. <laughs> In a roundabout way, I was trying to dig him up. <laughs> So, George, the future, where are you? What are you doing? Are you, are you winning Ashes series? Through? <laughs> I'd love to know the future. Um, to be honest with you, the way the way my body's been in the past, I don't really look too far ahead um, because there's so many things that can change or can happen that, and, and to be honest, I've had better results thinking this way, but I just think of trying to have some fun on the pitch and enjoying myself and not, like not not putting too much pressure on myself. Oh, my personality anyway, I, I expect perfection, which you can't achieve. But so I, I know I'll always push myself, but the last kind of two years, I've, I've just told myself to go out and enjoy it. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to do what I do. So why not? Why beat yourself up and think, oh, fuck, I've had a really bad day. Well, actually, you've had a much better day than you would if you weren't doing like what, what I love to do. So what the future holds, I'm just, I'm just going with it, going with the flow a little bit, just enjoying whatever cricket I play, and making sure I'm as fit as possible and trying to stay out in the park. But whoever I'm playing for, whatever I'm doing, just trying to win every game possible. What an answer. Wow. It's not really the answer you're probably looking for, but yeah, I love that. No, 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 that was perfect, mate. That's perfect. <laughs> you have fun, haven't you? Even if I don't show on the outside, I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's something you can do is just smile a little bit more on the pitch. Right. Oh, I, I get, I get, I get tasked with it. Even now, like I saw Louis and Oz, and he's like, "You're still not smiling." I'm not. You're asking for too much, Louis. I can't. I can't give you. I'm not a magician. Can't produce love, miracles. I'd love to see you make a point now, George. Of every time you get a wicket, of just grinning. I know you go for massive jumping celebrations. Just, just grin ear to ear. <laughs> just stand there, just chuffed. Yeah, two yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving them what? <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a go. Yeah, It'd actually be more surprising than just deadpan. You know, when someone gets a wicket and they just like play it off like they're too cool. Joff does it a little bit. Just being like, actually the opposite, just like grinning ear to ear. I, like, I can't get my head around bowlers that do that, that take a wicket and they'll just nonchalant. Do you know what I mean, George? I don't know if that's what your, what your views on that, but every time I got a wicket, I was over the moon because obviously... Yeah, but wickets for us are like gold dust jug. Like, we don't <laughs> <laughs> many. Whereas those boys take wickets for fun. I mean, if I got 60 wickets in a, in a Red Bull year, I think I'd... I'd be like, oh yeah, another wicket. But when no. you get in 10 or whatever, I'd be like, I'd be giving it, big giving ones it every massive time. ones every wicket. Even if I took 50 poles in the champ, but I'd be giving it massive ones every day, day after day. You've got to celebrate the little wins, haven't you? Exactly. Still here again, aren't you? Still listening. How about that then, Tim? That was good. 
Yeah, I loved it. It was fascinating to hear someone talk so openly and honestly about cricket and, and perhaps the difficulties. Uh, the one that got me was talking about not being bothered by selection. Could you imagine that? It's the only thing I ever think about. Yeah. Whether you get picked for the thirds. <laughs> Be over the fours, mate. <laughs> Yeah, a fascinating insight and a great bloke as well. And what we've been lucky enough so far is everyone we've had on genuinely loves the game. So that's nice. And what people got to do, Tim? Follow, like, subscribe. Rate five stars.